Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Where are you right now? I am sitting in, in Jokeland, which is my... In Long Island? My converted garage, which is uh, the home of everything I've ever done. And it's, uh, it's just off of my house. And I'm looking out at the beautiful Long Island Sound and all is wonderful. Jackie, thank you so much for doing this. It's so good to see you. Don't waste all this. Start okay, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Guys, I'm kind of obsessed with humans, human behavior, and the things we do all day, every day that we're not even paying attention to. In fact, I could find it kind of hilarious. So much so, I built my career writing comedy on the observation of these behaviors. I'm Jenna Kingsley, writer, comic, creator, and host of the new podcast series, Social Studies. You guys, I am so excited for today's guest. Many of you know him from The Howard Stern Show. That's right. I said it. The Howard Stern Show. He is a New York City legend, a comedy legend. Uh, I know him because I used to open for him. Please give it up for Jackie, the joke man, Martling. Jackie, welcome to the show. Hello, darling. I am so excited you're here. I think about you all the time. You know, the last I knew, it looked to me like you met some guy and went to tour the world and uh, left us all in the dust. And all of a sudden, I hear Jenna Kingsley's doing a podcast. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, did she kill the guy or did she decide to become a lesbian? I have no idea what's going on, but it's great to hear from you. know, I always, I've always been in love with you. You know I that. know, me too. And you know what? I, I hate to say it, but I ruin your reputation all the time because I tell everyone you're actually the nicest guy and you're nothing like your persona. Not that your persona is a mean guy, but in real life, you are like the most darling, amazing, sweetest man. Well, Howard worked for 20 years, uh, 24-7, telling people that I was uh, fat and angry and cheap and selfish. And, you know, to this day, like it's so often that I meet people and they go, you know, you're not really like that. In fact, you know, you came on my radio show a bunch of times. It was my favorite thing. Ian, uh, Ian just finished doing a documentary on me that you're going to love, which is going to put me on the map somehow. But Ian and me met at the Friars Club in like 1998 or something like that. And five it was like a Thursday night <clears throat> where it was a get to know each other meeting. And it was always fun. We started talking. And he said he was a big fan of the show. And five minutes after we started talking, he goes, you know, you are nothing like the guy that I expected to meet from that show. And like, we've been best friends ever since that, but there's so many people lead with that. It's, it's, it's not even a left-handed compliment. It's a compliment. It's, like, it's wow. a huge, I tell everyone, and I'm like, you know, I hate to, I hate to ruin the mystery, but he's actually the nicest Sweetest guy. So I met Jackie. Um, I was doing stand up. I was doing the live from Gotham show at Gotham Comedy Club for Access TV. Jackie was in the audience. I met him after in the green room and he's like, Oh, I'm doing a show. Do you want to come open for me? And I was like, Okay. And I had no idea what to expect because I grew up 
on Howard Stern, right? I, everyone in New York did. I mean, so I grew up listening to you. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And then it like took five minutes with you. And I was like, this is the nicest guy ever. You really are. And, and then I would do, uh, so Jackie had a show, Jackie's joke hunt on Howard 101, Sirius XM. And I would join him. And after the show, you would take everyone to dinner. Always bring us to Carnegie Deli. And then you had decided you tried ramen. Do you remember? And then you decided from now on, we were going to ramen instead of Carnegie Deli. (laughs) I, I, I hate that crap. <laughs> now, now you're starting rumors. Now you're starting rumors. Do you, wait, you don't remember? You, you would switch to a ramen place on the same street as the Sirius XM Studios. We we might have went there once. You know, <laughs> I, I, I was not a fan of that. You know, we, we originally went to the Palm. Ooh. For a couple of years, we went to the Palm afterwards. But we were making like $700 for the show. And the Palm dinner cost us <laughs> like 800 bucks. We're like, there's something wrong with this picture. We started, and meanwhile, the Carnegie was so much fun and so wacky. It's so great. You know, because every night is like Broadway Danny Rose, you know, and uh, and things are just fun and fun and more fun. I mean, of course, the pandemic has screwed everything up. You know what I'm doing? Uh, and this is like a plug, but to tell you the truth. Please, plug away. What I'm doing is the Cameo.com thing. Do you know about that? Oh, of course. Tell you everyone know, what it is in case they don't know. Jenna, it was made for me. Of course. You know that if you're a comic or a performer, that if you're not performing, you get antsy. You know, it's funny. Like, I wouldn't work for a couple of weeks back when I was married and I was on the Stern Show. And then sometimes my wife would come up to me and go, boy, it's pretty obvious who had a good show last night. And I'd be like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? And she'd say, the day after a good show. You're in a good mood. You are a different person. The spring in your step, and you're, but you're not even aware of it. Yeah. And meanwhile, we're not performing, but I do these cameo.coms and I tell everybody it's like methadone for comedians. <laughs> but I'm made to do that. So for two, three, four minutes, I just go down the laundry list <laughs> and, and not insult people, but just have fun at their expense. The, the person that, that buys it, you know, tells you what to say or gives you a rough idea. And I've done like, I don't know, I think 300 of them. But meanwhile, I get to tell jokes and laugh at myself, which is what I do anyway. And, and you know, I, and I charge, so I only charge 50 bucks. Some people charge a lot of money. But at 50 bucks, people like, you know, so right. some, some days I do none, but some days I do eight of them, you know. And I sit there and just start giggling. And my girlfriend's like, I better go upstairs because I, I can't stand listening to him laugh at his own jokes again, you know. <laughs> Do you write, do you write the joke specifically for the cameo or do you bring no, back? I never write any jokes. I just tell old jokes, but I make them fit whoever. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just twist them around or whatever, but, uh, but they always work their way in, you know, a marriage joke or, or a poop joke. It, it, it's easy to make it about somebody, but you don't even have to. You, you know, don't they, have- they, people just want to <laughs> laugh. You know, that's all. That's all. <laughs> Your fans are so loyal and they love you so much. It's crazy. Like, obviously everyone's fans love them, but you have a different kind of fan and you were always so kind. I tell people your crowd was very different, like a stand-up crowd than my crowd. So I'd come on open for you and I'd be like, my therapist said, and they wanted, they're coming to you for dirty jokes. And then here I am and they're like, where's the dick jokes, you know? (laughs) But, But you were so kind about it. And like, it was just, it was, but your fans are like a, 
obsessive. And I was laughing because I actually was so proud of you because I just looked and you're on Instagram. I was very proud of you to be so tech savvy. But at the top of your Instagram, Jackie, it says that you're selling like five CDs for $20. Nobody uses CDs anymore, no, Jackie. No, nobody reads it. Now, you know what? Maybe it's maybe I haven't fixed my Instagram because, <laughs> because everywhere I advertise it says download all of Jackie's CDs oh, for $20. It says download. Now, if it says if it doesn't say download on Instagram, that probably I probably am not tech savvy enough to know where my Instagram intro is. So now I'll fix that. Because a lot of people think, Jackie, there's no more CDs and no more CDs. I'm like, it's not CDs, it's download also. And that's, <laughs> that's it. Do you realize the that. deal? That it's six CDs. It's almost 500 minutes of nonstop filthy jokes. It never repeats for $20. It's the most <laughs> absurd deal in the world. People are, Ever. No, no, I don't want a CD. It's not a CD, you ass. Okay, then you have film. to change it because I, I went and I saw that and I was like, I'm going to have to talk to him and get him with the modern times. It's it, You got to download it. I was going to say, it'll save you money. It'll save you time. No, I bet you you're going to go back and looking and see that it's Let me, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm, I'm going to look right now. But I was laughing because I moved in September. September and I found like I had to clean out my office and my old apartment and I had all these CDs you gave me because every time I'd be on your show, you would give it to me on a CD. But even at the time, this was only a couple years ago. Oh, you're talking about CDs of the actual show. Well, no, that's a different thing. You have two things. One is CDs that you're selling, right? But they're not right. CDs. Thank God they're downloads. Well, I haven't sold a CD in, in 10 years. They're <laughs> okay. all downloads. Okay. So everyone could order the downloads. Because um, right now it says six joke CDs. Oh, okay. I will okay. So wait, Jackie is with the modern times, but I was laughing because you, I have all these shows on CDs that we did and I can't listen and I'm so bummed. So I'm going to have to convert them somehow. Oh, it's easy. I got them all. You just email me and I'll send them to you. Oh, do you, you know? have all your shows on tape? Uh, they're all loaded into my computer in MP3. Oh, I would you know. love them. I would love them. I wouldn't believe who I've got on there. You know, I got the, the original cast of Jersey Boys singing on my show. Oh, and it's my Sid favorite. Bernstein and Pat Cooper and, 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 and what's his face? Uh, Bobby Slayton, all kinds of great guys. You know, oh, that show was so much fun. I oh, loved man. doing that show with you guys. That was the best. I loved it. You know, what you we know. have on is this couple that had just met and they were trying, they were going to do this, this uh, reality show mm -hmm. where you just show up and you never met the person before, but you get married. Oh yeah. Love at first sight. They're still married. That's no like way. 15 years ago, they got a couple kids and it's just crazy. The odds of that happening. You That's know, like, insane. Yeah, we just met the other night and we got married on. I mean, I guess you really don't know the person and you meet up and get married, which is a, a pretty wild concept. You know? It's a pretty wild concept to get married, even if you do know the person. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you want to hear a great joke? Yeah. A, a guy comes home from work and his wife is watching television and she's yelling at the screen. She's like, don't do it. You asshole. Don't go in that church. You moron. Don't go in that church. He says, what are you watching? She says, our wedding video. <laughs> <laughs> I like that and, one. And that, but that's like, that's, that's a great one, by the way. That's right. It's, it's way too, you know, <laughs> too you know. real. That is marriage, too real. marriage remorse, you know, marriage remorse. <laughs>
Um, you know, it's so funny because I was just, I was actually thinking, cause I was looking through old pictures when you said you'd be on my podcast and I was so psyched to see you. And I was looking through old pictures and I was looking like at a post I did. And this is such a funny story. When I was in college, I got an internship, believe it or not, I got an internship for the Howard Stern show. And I was so excited, right? Cause I loved you guys. And I was so excited. And my mom told her friends like, Oh, Jenna got a job, like an internship at the Howard. And I guess her friends, and this is so unlike my mom, my mom doesn't care. She supports me, whatever I do, but her friends were like, she can't work there. You know, she, people are going to think she's so controversial. Little did my mom know I would end up going into comedy, right? No one knew I was going to end up doing that, but um, it was so funny because they were like, it's too controversial. You know, you can't work there. And I was like, really? And I was so bummed. I ended up taking some like lame internship in finance. I know you didn't do it because I didn't do it. And I, they taught, which is so unlike me. I never listened to anyone. I never care about anyone. How many people you would have met that how, how, what kind of a leg up you would have had started. I was an idiot. I was an asshole and I can't believe I listened to my mom's friends. And I was like, my God, like, why did I do that? Anyway, the laugh I had that, point what did you think you were going to be when you grew up were you just planning on being an accountant or a no, lawyer i was or? studying journalism and radio and television like it's so uh, stupid so, no, so you can't hold it against you like that was so many people's perception of the I show know. and you live and you learn but the funniest thing is the laugh i had when i walked into howard 101 as a guest for the first time and i was sitting in that that studio, I was, I, cause I wrote an Instagram post about it. And I was like, you know, everyone told me not to get a job. Little did they know I would be the like clown coming on as a guest <laughs> on the show. <laughs> That's great. That's but, great. Um, it was, it was the best. Um, so what are you doing now? Like, what are you, you're doing cameos. Are you doing zoom shows? I do some, but like people that are having like big business meetings and they say, uh, you know, We'll bring Jackie on for 10 or 15 minutes. <clears throat> and I did a few, bunch, uh, more than a few. I did a bunch of them. And I wound up saying, listen, I have no problem taking your money, but it's a waste of time. Because if, if you've got, I don't know how many Zoom shows you do, but if you're doing a show and there's eight people on the screen, sometimes, it's, you know, sometimes they fill the screen, everybody's too tiny. Right. You've got like eight or 10 people on the screen and then you swipe to another screen and another screen. Forget about it. Cause you want the people's microphones open because you want some reaction. Yes. But nobody has any attention span. You, there's always people at the meeting that really want to see what you're doing. Right. But there's always a certain percentage of people that are ordering a pizza, yelling at their dog, screaming at their wife to come into the room. They need something. And it's, there's just no focus. I tell people, look, it's going to suck. I'll take your money. We can do it if you want. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. I've done less and less of them because more and more people realize that it really doesn't play well. Yeah. You know, I do. I go on. It's funny. I'm completely diametrically opposed politically to Mark Simone, but I've known him for 40 years. So I go on his show. I was just on his show on Friday and I'll, I tell jokes that come right up to being too dirty for AM radio and it makes him crazy. <laughs> and I go on a really crazy liberal podcast with David Feldman, which is a very, they're, they're pretty serious about their politics and about being liberal. Mm. And it's 
pretty serious discussion for four, five, six hours. And then I'm like the comic at the end of the, it's like if you're reading through the newspaper in the last pages, the comics page. And of course I do like 15 minutes of un, un, uh, un, unshackled dick jokes, crazy <laughs> jokes, filthy jokes. But everybody, they all love it. And yeah. it's like, so I work both ends of the spectrum for, Whatever. And, you know, because people at this point, everybody knows exactly what I'm going to do. You yeah. know, it's so funny. I'll tell you, I'm such a By the way, you could say anything on this podcast. This is an explicit podcast, so you don't have uh, to. Yeah, well, yeah, only when I need to. But <laughs> I see Rodney Dangerfield on your desk there. I didn't know that you wrote for Rodney and you toured well, you with know, Rodney. Very, it, it, very, very minimally, but it's very funny because... It's been a bone of contention on the Stern Show for so long because we weren't especially close. But what happened was that you're a comic, so you'll under. I'll take a few seconds to explain this. Yeah. Rodney bought jokes from people for fifty dollars a joke. He always did. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was like you 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 went to catch a rising star. Somebody said, "I sold him this joke. I sold him that joke. I sold." And there's lots of jokes that he bought were in his act. Which is comedy. That's what people do. And he charged fifty dollars. I mean, he paid fifty dollars. I was, you know, you give him a joke, he gives you fifty dollars, and and it's his show. Right. So everybody in comedy knows this, right? Right. So, uh, out of a clear blue sky, this is in my book. I I I got to send you a copy of my autobiography. It's called. I need it. The Joke Man, Bow to Stern. There's a whole chapter on Rodney. Okay. What happened was when I first started out, we were scrapers. We were, there were no comedy clubs on Long Island. There was nothing to, you know, I was playing my guitar and singing in a bar. My band broke up. So I'm singing and playing by myself. And then I met a bunch of comics uh, at a place called Richard M. Dixon's White House Inn. And my friend Richie Minervini used to come and I moved into my grandmother's house. My grandmother passed away. And here I'm living at grandma's with my girlfriend <clears throat> and Richie sometimes would stay over. And in those early days you're doing, you, I'm sure, you know, when you start out as a comic, you're trying to do anything you can to get a, to, to get any kind of a grip. Yeah. 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 Here I am living at my grandma's and Richie would stop in once in a while. So, and he'd stay over sometimes. So he comes in one night, late at night It's like end of 1978. And he says, Oh man, I went to Dangerfields tonight. I got on and I killed. And Rodney told me he loved me and he's going to use me on television. It was so great. And I can't tell you how jealous I was. I was out of my mind jealous. Just like, <laughs> oh, you lucky son of a bitch. I'm crazy. So what am I going to do? I sit down at the typewriter. Yeah. Literally a typewriter. Yeah. With the page and a carbon. So there's an extra copy. And typed... Every joke that I knew or told that I could think of that I could switch into a Rodney Dangerfield voice, you know, like uh, I got no respect. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. You know, and you I, all and hear that voice so vividly, like anyone who knows. Yeah. So I sat down and typed out six pages of jokes. OK. In Rodney's thing and folded up and put in an envelope. And Richie came the next time he came in on a day later, three days, whatever. He walks in. I said, Richie. You got to do me a favor. You got to give these jokes to your friend Rodney. And he looks at me and he gets all weird. And he goes, man, he said, he said, I was lying. He said, I, I, I didn't get on stage. Rodney wasn't even there. No, I, I totally made up the whole thing. 
And I swear to God, <laughs> is a matchbook from Dangerfields. Jenna, swear on my life, he reached in his pocket and pulled out a matchbook like this that had Dangerfields' address on it. And I literally wrote the address of Dangerfields underneath Rodney's name and put a stamp on it and mailed it. I had nothing to lose, right? Right, right, yeah. Two days later, I'm sitting there in my grandmother's house. She's dead. I'm with my girlfriend and the phone rings. Nobody knows that all her friends are dead. (laughs) Everybody else knows that there's no reason to call there. Nobody has this number. But of course, that's the phone number I put on in the letter I stuck in. And I asked the phone rings. I asked hello, hello. Who's this? It's Rodney. No way. No I said, way. Rodney. I said, Rodney, who? He said, well, I knew you were fucking funny. I can tell you fucking funny, you know? And my girlfriend says, who is it? I said, it's Rodney Dangerfield. She says, boom, who is it? Richard, it's fucking Rodney Dangerfield. There's some funny shit here. You know, some really funny stuff. You know, I think there's like four jokes I want to buy here. You know, okay. come on, I'll, uh, come to Westbury, you know, come backstage. I'll give you a check, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like freaked out of my tree and I'm breaking his balls on the phone and he loves me right away. Oh my God. And one of the jokes wound up being what Rodney always said was his favorite joke in his act. And then I showed up at Westbury and at 78, I still got a ponytail down my back, torn blue jeans, a girlfriend 10 years younger, really beautiful. He's like, whoa, she's gorgeous. Hey, you want some fruit? Hey, let's see. (laughs) Funny jokes, funny jokes. Two bag of funniest fucking. Hey, she's go- she's here. What's with the fucking blue jeans and the hair? What the what the fuck? <laughs> hey, she's pretty. Hey, you want to buy some fruit? Hey, yeah, yeah. And it was just. But the point was, it was fifty dollars a joke. Yeah, and he gave me a check for two hundred dollars. Amazing. Okay? So I continue sending him jokes, and he's not. He doesn't bite at any of them, right? But then as time goes along. And I didn't say this on the Stern Show because he's an icon and I still love him no matter what, because he was, at, you know, people say who I never had any intention of ever trying to be a comedian, but I always loved him and he made me laugh so hard. So all of a sudden I, I he comes out with an album and I hear a couple of jokes on his album that he hadn't bought. And then I see him on the Carson show and he does a joke that he, but it's not that he was trying to get away with anything. So he wasn't exactly the world's best bookkeeper. Right. You know, it's right, not right, like, right. Hey, let me get away without paying Jackie. So at some point I went to Dangerfields. So I go down to his dressing room and said, Rodney, listen, it's not a big deal, but there's a bunch of jokes that you never bought that you've been using. And, you know, I, I just want to call attention to it. He said, listen, okay, you, you owe me a thousand bucks, right? How many? I said, I don't know how many. So let's say, let's say it was 10 jokes, okay? So you still owe me 500 bucks. So give me 10 more jokes, we'll call it square. Which makes perfect sense, right? So here it is 20 years later, and he's on the Stern Show. And he goes, I guess he, he in, in the hall, he said, yeah, Jackie borrowed money from me, you know, he, he, and... Uh, and Ganji said, did he pay back? Well, they bring Rodney back in. And he says, yeah, I loaned him a thousand bucks. And, and I said, Rodney, you know, I, I, I paid you back in jokes, which has become, if you put paid back in jokes, you'll get 14,000 hits on Google of how Jackie ripped off Rodney Dangerfield because he said the words, I don't know anything about paying in jokes. But the point of the story is Howard is such a finagler. And by the end of the show, Howard had me, Owing Rodney Dangerfield (laughs) $3,000. 
Jenna to this day, I get emails. Pay back Rodney the money, you cheap fuck. Pay back Rodney the money. You know, and hey, hey, hey Jackie, uh, if I come over to your house and, and I loan you some money, are you going to pay me back in jokes? To a podcast you're on, I think it was uh, James All uh, James Allshuler. Oh, I, I love that guy. That He's was great. an incredible podcast, and I love you were talking about uh, the early days of Eddie Murphy and his confidence. No, what happened was I second album. I had the mic set up, and I was recording at the Eastside Comedy Club for my second album, Going Ape. And then he said, "Jack, you're making another album." And I said, "Yeah, Eddie, I'm cutting another album here." And he goes, "Jack." I want to have an album. I said, sorry, Eddie, I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Famous last words, you know, and, the, and I have tape of almost everybody from back in the old days. I have no tape of Eddie because it, honestly, I. You didn't think he was going to make it. I, well, I didn't, I, I didn't even know what made it meant. I didn't think there was anything <laughs> special about him. You know, he, he, but he was a nice enough guy and he was so absolutely crazy full of confidence. The first time I, uh, I met him when, you know, we're all hanging at Rich, Richard M. Dixon's White House Inn, which is a whole nother long story. But Eddie was like 16 or 17 and he used to be there and he'd go, yeah, man. I'm going to be bigger than the Beatles. We're like, shut up, Eddie. You know, <laughs> no, I'm going to be bigger. And goddamn, five years later, he was bigger than the Beatles. It was unbelievable. He just, that is too great. It was, it was a cock, but it wasn't a cockiness as much as it was a, a self-confidence. It wasn't something he was bragging about. It was just something that he knew. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing in, in retrospect. But there's lots of people that say they're going to be president. And then five years later, they're, in, they're working in a garbage dump, you know. That is it was, it was amazing. It was really fun. Really fun, you know. I tell people, if you got a question, if you don't believe something I said, whatever you want to do, I answer every email I get. I get so many pe- emails from people going, Bullshit! You're not going to answer this, and I write back. I guess you. I guess you're wrong, huh? Email me jokeland at aol.com. Do you hear that? J o k e l a n d at aol.com. I'll send you some jokes. I'll make you laugh. Um, and before you give all your details, though, I'm I because I'm going to let you do that at the end. I I have to ask a question for my listeners who are big fans of yours from the days of how, being on the Howard Stern show. I'm going to have to ask you a question. BS What happened to the guy you ran away with? That didn't work out. The truth is, I stopped doing stand up because I got into stand up, but it was ne- I was never one of those people like you or the stand up comics who want to be on the road. You know, I was a single mom. I got into it because I was a writer and I love performing, but. But I was not going to ever be the person who night after night, you know, sleeping out of their car, sleeping in like I just couldn't. I had a son. And so over time, I had to make a decision of what kind of. Well, I don't you you probably have no idea. I got to send you my book. But in like 1986, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And Howard had recently gone to mornings. He was going to put me on two days a week. 
<clears throat> and I said to my wife at the time, she wasn't even my wife yet. I said to Nancy, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't go to Nashville and Atlanta, Georgia. I can't yeah. go to these places and sit around all day, every day, until I can get drunk that night and do 40 minutes worth of comedy. I'm climbing the walls. And she said, just stop doing it. Right. Just quit. Right. And it'll fill itself out. So I remember how drunk I got in Nashville at Zany's. And they're like, what are you doing? What are you celebrating? I said, I am done. I'm not going out like this anymore. I'm going to stay home till something happens. And I went home and I said, Howard, listen, I'm not on the road anymore. You can use me as much as you want. And pretty soon I was on five days a week. And as you know, we went to Pluto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. it is no life. I have to ask you this. What is your favorite moment from the Howard Stern show? If you had to pick one moment, the Howard Stern fans are listening, want to know what your favorite moment was. I know it's hard to choose one. And, and, and it really is impossible. But the, the best time, um, and every time you, start, you say it, you change your mind, but the most fun in the world <clears throat> was the days working on private parts, working on the movie. Yeah. It just felt like you were in big time show. You were in the movie. Fun. You yeah. were in the movie. Yeah. But uh, as far as single times, uh, we were at the Royal Albert Hall up in one of the rooms in the middle of nowhere recording um, the show at the before the show at Princess Trust. And sitting across from us were the Bee Gees. And they sang live a cappella. Oh my god! Like, uh, that was a pinch me moment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sitting in the sitting in the studio, knees to knees with James Taylor while he played the guitar, and he sang four songs. You know, my son is named after James Taylor. Oh, is that right? And someone just sent me the clip of James Taylor on Howard Stern. And I just love James Taylor. I'm the biggest James Taylor fan. And I just, someone just sent me that clip last week. So it's so funny you say that. And he played like four songs. And in between the songs, I was writing insults. Like like Howard <laughs> oh said, James, James, when you wrote Fire and Rain in the ins- Asylum, were you keeping <gasps> time by banging your head against the padded wall? Oh, I'm like, I can't believe it. But that was my job to write horrible things about these people. But uh, <laughs> there was so much, so many wonderful, wonderful times like that. You know, it's amazing. It, just goes, it just goes on and on and on and on. But what um, a job, right? What a job. What, what a lucky you got to meet everybody. What an experience. So much fun. I've had so many times in my life where things would just happen since. By the time, by 1982, I had three comedy albums out. And at the time, me and my girlfriend, Nancy, who became my wife, one of my first album came out, I sent them to everybody. When my second album came out, we sent both of them to everybody. My third album, we would send a package of three comedy albums, the cassettes that matched them, and all my promo, and we would send that package. If I tripped over somebody on the street, I said, hey, you want me to send my comedy? And I, we sent them to everybody. And I was in Washington, D.C., and these guys said, hey, a guy just got fired from DC 101 on the air and he's going to New York City to WNBC. You really should look him up because he would really love you. So I blindly, just like I blindly <laughs> sent the jokes to Rodney, I blindly sent my three comedy albums to this guy, Howard Stern. I have no idea who he is. I never listened to the radio. I was a hippie. I listened to the Eagles on cassette. And a couple months later, he called me up and said, hey, 
Nancy actually called me out. My office was in my mother's attic. And uh, my dial joke was up there and everything. 516-922-WINE. Anybody ever called it? It's still going. And Nancy called up and said, hey, that DJ just called. He wants you to call him. So I called WNBC and Howard got right on the phone. He said, hey, we got your albums and you know every joke. Why don't you come in and hang out on the air today? So I drove in and went up 30 Rock, which was so intimidating, and sat down with Howard and Robin and Fred. And we left for four hours. And at the Amazing. end of the day, he said, you're a lot of fun. Why don't you come back next week? Amazing. And boom. you know. Like, I love that you got that job by just shooting your shot also. That, you know, that's, uh, that's happened to me with so many different things. It's that, you amazing. Know, you just, it's incredible. You just throw it. And if it sticks to the way, it was the incredible, the, the, the age old story of, you know, we're so lucky. You know, so many comics were like, you know, why the hell does he get that job? He's so lucky. You're so lucky. There was a little bit of legwork, you know. Oh, tons of legwork. Tons, you know? tons. And, you know, the albums weren't any good. But here's a guy, a DJ moves to a new town. And here's a guy who's got three comedy albums out. I must be somebody. And I wasn't, but it turned out I was perfect for the. And I created that job. I worked for him for three years for free. I went in one day a week for three years and slowly but surely passed them ideas. And then all of a sudden, 1986, we went to mornings and I'm handing them jokes on the fly. We went to Pluto. It's, it's a fun story. It's a really good. It's love really my, incredible. My, my uh, documentary is going to set a lot of people's hair on I'm fire. I'm so there. excited. When does that come out? When does that come well, out? It's, it's completely done, but. What I want to do, obviously, you can see how much I love talking about this. The most fun for me is going to be taking it to film festivals because there's nothing more fun than showing a documentary and then doing the Q&A because people always have so many questions. And to me, answering those questions will be the most fun. But as you know, times being what they are, we can't go out on the road because of the pandemic. So I think videotaping the Q&A is going to be a whole nother documentary because it's interesting. Yeah. Jenna, you wouldn't believe I haven't been on that show in 20 years and people, holy shit, what's today? Is it your anniversary or something? It's, it's March 3rd. Tomorrow is 20 years to the day. No way. Okay. I always tell people I'm March 4th on March 4th. <laughs> wow. But, but it's been 20 years. I still get emails and people ask on the street and people have questions because the nineties was the golden era of the Stern show. And everybody knows that, but as mm -hmm. time goes on, it becomes more and more classic, like Laurel and Hardy becomes more classic or, you know, it's like as as time goes on, you realize how lucky we were, how we it was lightning in a bottle. And it, it was, really you know, was. It's like I mean, there's nothing like it. Here you are. You leave the Howard Stern show. How many years were you on the Howard Stern show? All told, I was with him for 18 years, 18 years. So that's a long time, 18 years. It's a long time for a TV show, for a marriage. You know, I always used to brag to people that when I went to work this morning, it was the same people that were sitting there the first time I walked in in February 1983. It was Howard, Robin, and Fred. Yeah. And when I went to work this morning, it was Howard, Robin, and Fred 18 years later. It's and amazing. then I screwed it up. I screwed it up by leaving, you know. Yeah. But so with all, with all good, you know. Yeah, yeah. We get, you know, it happens. When you left the show, what were you thinking? Were you like, what am I going to do next? It, what was, because it's so I, interesting. I, the gave thing it of, I gave it, people say, well, why didn't you wait till you had something else lined up? Blah, blah, blah. Listen, 
I was so fried. It's impossible to put somebody in my shoes. Um, I was living with my wife who we we just really hadn't, it hadn't gelled in like years. Mm -hmm. There was no way I was getting divorced because I was working all week Mm -hmm. and working some nights. And then on weekends going to Chicago or Denver for huge money. So when I finally got a weekend off, I was not going to go looking for a bachelor pad where I could live with a hot plate. So we just went on and on. There was no way I was going to get. And then when uh, I realized if I wanted to get a divorce, they just would have pulled not just me, but they would have pulled her over the coals. And that would have been so ugly. And uh, so there were a few extenuating circumstances. I never would have quit drinking. Right. Uh, because, you know, after working so hard all week, like there was no way I was not going to have some, some drinks. And there was a lot of craziness. And but the main thing is they kind of intimidated me. Like, don't you dare ask for more because, you know, this is all you're getting. And and I'm not good at being bullied. And, and I really deserve more. Like people get mad at me because the average person is Jesus Christ. is You're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And sleeping in your own bed, that's a comedian's dream. But that doesn't matter. It just says it wasn't a fair shake. And uh, But did I give it any real thought? No. I actually I thought they'd come up with the money. But I, I, I was willing to roll the dice. I didn't care. Right. And when I left, I moved into a house all by myself. Mm-hmm. I got divorced. You quit drinking, I quit, right? I quit drinking and lost my job. Those are four major, you know, changing residences, leaving a relationship, stopping drinking and losing your job. They say, if any one of those things happens to you, don't change anything else in your life. Right. And I did all four at once. It was like ice flow onto an ice flow. And, you know, and how do you feel? How do you feel when you did it? Well, you know, you just dealt with it. Yeah. After a couple of months, I realized you know, being on that show probably saved my life because you really couldn't drink all that much when you had, you know, as I did, but you really, you had to be somewhat in control of being that seat. I was in that seat at six o'clock. I was going to say, that's an early start. You know, people talk about, oh, Jackie wasn't loyal. For 15 years, almost every day for 15 years, I got up in Bayville and I was sitting in that seat ready to go at six o'clock in the morning, which is crazy early. And I was just fried. So I, how crazy could I get? But once I was off the show, I had nothing but free time. And all of a sudden, after a couple of months, I said, you know what? I can't spend my life waiting for it to be five o'clock so I could start drinking. And the only way to combat that is to have it never be five o'clock. So I said, you know, I'm just going to stop. And That's Nancy amazing. couldn't have been more shocked. And, you know, so I'm living by myself and I'm not drinking. And uh, I got no job. Uh, but and it was rough, but it was it was like being stuck in a strange like being stuck on a desert island. It was very weird. And I live in this beautiful home at the end of the street on the Long Island Sound. And I was like, God, I'm banished to the end of the street, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. And then one day I woke up and I said, You live in a beautiful home on Long Island on Long Island Sound. What it's it's all perception, right? Of course. And it was really tough. And I tell everybody I'm full of crap because a couple months later. I actually called and said, listen, uh, if the deal's still on the table, I'll take it. But I didn't miss the money and I didn't, you know, I, not yet. I still had, you know, right, right. Of dollars. 
but it, it wasn't the money, the fame, any of that. What I missed was, you know, laughing for right, four the camaraderie. Hours, five days a week. You don't realize it's so ingrained. You're so used to that. You think, well, I'll just go hang out with different people. Right. But there are no people like, like the four of us. They're just right. five of us, whatever it is. And, right. uh, you know, you don't realize that, you right. know, but they hear Howard tell it. It's all him, but it's, right. it's, it was a mob. It was a group. It was great, you know. Right, right. And it was, and it was crazy. It was, it was absolutely crazy. But uh, it was funny, you know. That then one day I heard that, uh, you know, it was. I, I was actually in the running to be the voice of Raw Dog on Sirius. Oh. Not even in the running. They, they were going to hire me. I had, they, they had the contract, and it was, it was not for anywhere near the money I was making on the Stern Show, but it was a lot of money. Yeah. And, and I, all I had to do was say. Oh, that was nice clay, and now here's Red Fox, and maybe throwing a joke, you know, because it, it would have been interesting. And then one day, my friend Toby Ludwig, who was handling the deal, said they took the deal off the table because they think they're going to get Howard Stern. And I said, Toby, why would they make up a story like that? Just tell me we changed our minds, Jackie. We don't want to use you. Because right. in our mind, there was no way that the Stern show was ever going to go to satellite because to me... The entire show was dancing around the rules and going right up to the line and right. getting away with stuff. You right, know, like right. they had little kids in the back. Of the <laughs> right, right. And, and just to all of a sudden, you know, go on the air and fuck shit, piss, you know, like. Right. It, it, to me, it, 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 I just didn't think it would happen. Right. It and then a couple of months later, away. all of a sudden, you know, Stern signs deal with Sirius and I was kind of relieved at least they weren't lying (laughs) by the way it's so funny what you become accustomed to in entertainment that you think they're making (laughs) it's crazy and and uh I I was dating this great uh Israeli girl a Jewish girl from Belgium and um she said listen you really gotta you know get off your ass and go do something and they had just opened up the comedy uh, the Laugh Factory on 42nd and, and 8th. It was the grand opening. She said, we really got to go down there. I said, all right. And I went down there. And uh, so many people I hadn't seen in a long time. I said, Jackie, you got to go up there. So I went up and told like 12 jokes and hit 12 grand slams. And everybody was so glad to see me. And I really killed them. I was like, geez, I forgot how much I love this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I ran into this guy, Phil Iazetta, who who's now that chief guy of 24-7 comedy in iHeart in Las Vegas. And he said, listen, I have a show on Sirius. You really got to come on. And I used to go on with him. Yeah. And it was really funny because it was a one-hour show and people call in, but instead of requesting songs, they'd request a comedian. And no matter who they had asked for, I had a story about him. So people loved it. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, you know, and then one day, uh, it was funny. Then one day I walked out. It's, I, I don't even detail, but Gary was standing there, I, you know, by happenstance was at the opposite end of the series. Hey, John, he wants to see the studio. And meanwhile, we'd been in to see the studio a million times. It was here I am in Sirius and everybody at Sirius wants to show me the Howard Stern show that's being set up back there. Mm-hmm. And I ran into Tim Sabian and said, do you have a show on Sirius? I said, no. And he said, well, you really should. And I said, I'd love one. And then we went around the block and decided to come up with one. And then uh, I went out to dinner with Howard and he said, uh, so you're going to have a show on, on my channel? And yeah, we have dinner. And then, of course, that that graduated into Jackie went to Howard and begged for a radio show. You know, and that's that's just how they play. And I yeah, know yeah. 
Meanwhile, when I walked out of Phil's studio, Gary was standing there at the other end. So who knows? You never know who's playing what kind of games. You know, I went to Howard's studio. I went out a different door. And Tim was standing there. I mean, it could have been orchestrated. Orchestrated. It could have been totally haphazard. I didn't care. Yeah. But the radio show is great fun. You had fun. We did it for eight years. The best. I loved it. it. So much fun. You know, it was so much fun. The consistent theme from through when we're talking is you always just didn't have a plan, but you just took a shot. You just I, I tell you, like my whole life. My whole life has been uh, like a pinball machine. Bounce yeah. off this. You know, I had no intention of doing comedy. I had no intention of being on the radio. And, you know, I just. You know, I turn this turn, turn this turn. But if you connect the dots backwards, yeah, it looks like I knew exactly what I was doing, and yeah. exactly where I was going. And yeah, uh, you know, I was like doing this and doing this, and then decided to start telling my jokes as a regular thing on stage. And then this month, I made more than last month. And then you know, ten years later, I'm a millionaire on the radio. I'm like, I, how did how did that happen? Yeah, you know? it's a, it's but, incredible. I mean, and that's the thing. Everyone is always so concerned about the end and the and what's the next. You know, what is the next door? If I do this, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And you didn't really think that way. You just took your shot the same way you mailed your stuff to Rodney, the same way you mailed your, you know, stuff to Howard. I I think it's so great. And so now here you are, Jackie, what's next for you? Stephen King has been posting jokes every once in a while on his Twitter. (laughs) So I chased down where his I'm telling you this, I, nothing's going to happen, but the the running joke. Can you imagine of all people, if you start working with Stephen King, my beautiful girlfriend, Barbara Klein, every day I said, did Stephen King call yet? It's Aww. so funny because uh, I know he's a joke guy and he has a radio station. So I sent my joke books and my books to all the guys on his radio station, to the general manager of the station, sent it to him, sent it to his wife, Tabitha. I know I'll never hear from them, but God, times being what they've been. Right. You never know. It seems like you might know. Hear. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. If I got a note saying, Jackie, you know, I, I love the jokes. I would love to say, you know what, let's let's make a murder mystery about a guy who tells dirty jokes and then kills people. You know? <laughs> By the way, I like it. I like he it. Be, he, like he, it. He, he might be like. If know, anyone's listening great- and knows Stephen King, we're waiting for a Jackie Martling, Stephen King collaboration. He has a great radio station up in Maine. And, uh, you know, and it's and it's. Classic rock, right out of my era. You know, we're the same people. But, um, you know, it wouldn't be the weirdest thing in the world. But he also might be a guy who doesn't really like dirty jokes. But I highly doubt that. You're an author writing about people getting murdered. You know, (laughs) he he might write back and say, Jackie, I'm your biggest fan. I can't believe I heard from craziest stuff than that's happened. The list of people that. I find out, love my jokes, and I've been listening for a long, long time. It's just, uh, just, it's, it's stupid. It doesn't make me a nickel. It won't buy me a meal, but it makes, it makes, makes you, you feel happy. like what you do is worthwhile. Yeah, yeah it makes you happy. Well, Jackie, I have no doubt that you're going to move on to the next great thing. I can't wait to see what comes out of you after this pandemic. Did I tell you my COVID joke already? No, tell it to me. 
So a guy knocks on the neighbor's door and the neighbor answers, hey man, since the COVID hit, I haven't seen your wife. And his neighbor says, oh, she's out back in the garden. He says, well, I was just out there. I didn't see her. He says, well, you, you got to dig down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure a lot of listeners right now can relate to that joke. And the, and the joke gets funnier and funnier with each <laughs> passing week. Right. Each year, each year that we've been locked up in the house, right? You told that like <laughs> fucking probably two months in and now we're a year in. Oh, I just love it. I just love That's it. That's a great one, Jackie. I thank you. I also just want to, I'm so excited you're on because I honestly will never forget. You gave me such a big moment and opportunity when I was a new co- comic, you know, it was right. I think it was before I even made my viral videos and put myself on the map and I'll never forget it. And I just always will think of you as giving me that opportunity. I saw you, you're attractive young girl. I thought <laughs> you were funny. You, you know, it was it was not selfless. I thought it would it would help me because you know there was lots of you know it was just different. It, it, the combination worked, and I saw yeah. that. That's all. Yeah, but and it was, it was my, great. It was and pleasure. I loved every minute. I remember every minute of it, and I I just I think you're the best, and I really hope you come back all the time. Now that I know you'll come on, you could come on all the time. Tell everyone again how they can find you guys. Go follow Jackie's Instagram. Not Instagram. I'm Every, on, no, I'm, you have to tell. Uh, that's what people use these days. I don't care. I'm on Twitter. I tweet a joke every day at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time <laughs> at Jackie Martling. Uh, uh, 4.20 p.m. on Twitter uh, at Jackie Martling. And if you email me, I will respond to you. Jokeland, J-O-K-E-L-A-N-D at AOL.com. I know it sounds obnoxious to spell it out. But so many people think, oh, joke man. And it's not joke man, it's joke land at AOL.com, which is also my website, jokeland.com. But go to Cameo, buy a Cameo. You'll be so thrilled. It's so fun. Get it for somebody, you know, happy divorce, just to break balls. It's Cameo, like it sounds, C-A-M-E-O, Cameo.com slash Jackie Martling. And I promise, I promise you'll get a kick out of it. And Jenna, I'll do this anytime you want. Oh, thank you, Jackie. It is so good to see you. Um, Thanks for coming. And I'm definitely going to have you on soon. All right. All right. Thanks, Jackie. I'll see you later. Love you. Bye. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to Social Studies with Jenna Kingsley. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to stalk me, you can do that on Instagram at Jenna Kingsley. You can visit my website, jennakingsley.com. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at Jenna Kingsley. If you have a topic you think we should cover, you can slide into the DMs or send me an email. Have a great week and I will speak to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.